Welcome to Head to Toe, stories from the history and future of healthcare. Hello and welcome to an Extraordinary Stories episode of Head to Toe. I'm your host, Marie McMillan, and I'm a nurse, a writer, and curator of healthcare stories brought to you via podcast format. Today we have a returning guest, Dr. Zahir Basrai, who shares with us a quick story about dealing with a medical incident in a remote area. Please enjoy. Okay, welcome back, Dr. Basrai, to Head to Toe. He's an emergency room physician in California, and we're excited to have him back to tell another story. Thanks thanks for being on the show. Hi, Marie. Thanks for having me back. It's an honor to be here. Awesome. Well, what is this uh, fantastic, extraordinary story you have to, to tell us today? So recently, I've kind of been reflecting on my medical school experience and how that kind of relates to what's been going on in my life now and my current practice in the emergency department. So I thought of this story and it just felt too good not to share with you. So in medical school, I had done some research and got some grant money um, and as a result was able to schedule a couple of weeks off during my fourth year. So during that time, I was able to coordinate a trip to South America with one of my best friends from high school. And we had the bright idea to attempt the four-day Inca Trail while we were in Peru. Now, I was in medical school at this time, so I definitely was not in the best shape of my life. So the Inca Trail was amazing. I somehow made it through the second day, which was supposedly the hardest. The second day is essentially all uphill as you try to ascend what's called Dead Woman's Pass. That's comforting, right? Dead Woman's Pass. Like, this is going to be fine. <laughs> Nothing bad's going to happen. Exactly. <laughs> I think I read that in the brochure and for some reason still decided to sign up. But again, I don't know what I was thinking. Oh, you ER physicians. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Dead Woman's Pass. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> So now we're in the third day and I'm starting to feel pretty happy. It's pretty much been all downhill and I've started to really appreciate where I am. I'm taking more time to kind of walk down slowly so that I can really enjoy the beauty that's all around me. And as we're continuing down the um, path during the third day, there are these really large steps that are made out of stone. And... After doing this for the first three hours of the hike, you can imagine your knees get really sore and your quads kind of get a little shaky. But what I want to talk about a little bit about is the porters. And these are four foot eleven Peruvian men with barrel chests who would wear flip-flops and basically run the entire Inca Trail while carrying all of your stuff. So they would set up the campsite. They would cook you breakfast, you would eat, then they would pack up all your stuff while you begin the trail and then proceed to outpace you to the next campsite. Meanwhile, I was barely making it to the next campsite before collapsing and sheer exhaustion. So that was a good way to feel pretty good about myself and where I was in terms of my physical shape. Are you at elevation at this point? It's probably probably pretty high, huh? Yeah. You know, I, I should have looked this up before we started. I don't know the exact altitude, but definitely the high altitude made a huge impact on my stamina and really kind of gets to you um, during the trek. Not all of these porters are part of some big tourist company. 
Some of them were hired privately. That usually meant that it was a smaller group of hikers who had hired two or three people to help carry all their stuff to the next campsite. Going back to the third day, as we were coming down some of these really large stone steps, we heard some porters calling behind us that they were trying to get past. And we did what we always did when we heard porters, which is we kind of hugged the mountainside so that they could have plenty of room to run down. And this particular group of porters was three people, two men and one woman. As they were running down, one of the porters slipped on the wet stones and totally ate it. At that point, I didn't really know the extent of her injury. I just thought she was going to get up and continue to run. But she stayed on the ground and she was crying in agony. So I walked up to her and I was pretty nervous. Again, I was only a fourth year medical student. So I had had a few ER rotations. I knew a little bit about first aid because of those rotations. But we were in the middle of nowhere. This is the Peruvian jungle and there is absolutely no roads where emergency There are no roads where paramedics can come in and pick up someone who's injured on this trail. Plus, like I said, this was the third day, so we were coming down this giant mountain. So an aerial rescue would have also been extremely difficult and near impossible. I walk up to her and scan her body. And as I look at her knee, I can see that she had sustained a really deep laceration to her knee and her patella was essentially split in half. Uh. Yeah, I could see the actual sheen of the bone. And I just kind of stood there, again, remembering that I was in the middle of nowhere. Right, because you're you're probably thinking like, okay, I need x-rays, I need a lat kit, I need antibiotics, I need need an IV, I need all these things. And you're like, oh, wait, (laughs) none of that is around me. (laughs) There's a little bit of antibiotics to sprinkle on this open fracture that's here on the mountainside (laughs) and sustained by a not-so-sterile rock. Oh, no. And so we're standing there looking at her and she's still on the ground in tears. And the two other porters that are with her are trying to get her up because they need to make it to the next site before the tourist group makes it. And again, there's nothing that they can do there. They have to get to a place where she can be extricated. Mm-hmm. So I'm standing there and I end up having a scarf that I had been wearing. Um, I think I wanted to look like a cool hiker, so for some reason I had a scarf. I don't really know. <laughs> Sorry, I'm in, I'm envisioning yeah. the scarf. Yeah. I'm it was glad very you brought it. <laughs> what can I say? So I think it was from H and M and it was like five bucks. So <laughs> nice. So you take your scarf, okay. I take the scarf and I begin to make a small makeshift splint. I basically just try to ace bandage the wound clothes and provide her whatever little support I can for her fracture. And at that point, the two other porters pick her up and they put her arms around their shoulders and they proceed on, which was like an amazing display of grit and perseverance. I don't really know how she did it. And they kind of vanished into the Peruvian jungle and that was it. I never saw her again. So it's one of those things that I always kind of think about and wonder how she did because it was such a a difficult situation that we were in. But it also reminds me 
of how comfortable I am in the emergency department. Mm -hmm. When a critical patient comes in, I know exactly where all my resources are, and I know exactly what to do to recess the patient. But when I'm in the field, it's so hard. And thinking about paramedics that I've worked with, I'm always so impressed with how they're able to function in the chaos that is the field. So that's about it. It was a pretty amazing kind of experience and something that always kind of puts me in my place when I think about it. What made you think of that story now these days, like all these years later? I wish there was. It's a story that I always kind of think of, um, especially when there is a critical patient. Anyone who's been on a mission trip out there who's listening and like and knows that feeling of I can't there's nothing to grab. Like, what what do I even have? Why did I bring my stethoscope? Like, <laughs> like right. what what am I going to do with this? You know, it's just it's we're so used to this sterile Western medicine building that has all these resources. And then, you know, just to be the polar opposite of that. And then people live like that. They live happily like that and relatively healthy lives until something like that happens. But it's yeah, it's a stark reminder of how. The other half of the world lives for sure. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, of course. Thank you again for having me on the show. It's always a pleasure to get to catch up with you, Marie. And I love what you do. So thanks for, for everything. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's great. Great to catch up too. Um for those of you guys who don't know, um, Dr. Basrai runs a blog called The Physician Grind. It's narrative medicine at its best. I have to agree with that. And um, he has his own podcast where, where some of his physician friends talk about their stories and there's narrative articles. I really enjoy the the best Wang Shikai stuff. That's really cool. You guys got to check that out. Actually, the URL is physiciangrind.com. Go check it out. Neat. And if you want to you know, you guys could maybe send me some money and we'll get Zaheer like an H&M gift card so he can replace the scarf. <laughs> that, he lost. that would be awesome. I want a photo of the scarf, man. <laughs> I'll see if I have it. I think I was wearing a fake pair of Ray-Bans as well. It looked totally ridiculous. So Touristy, gotta love it. But that's so amazing, that image of, of them just picking her up and just carrying her away. And you're just like, I hope everything works out. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true with patients, even even in our end of the world, for sure. Like, you know, we you resuscitate, especially in, in the ED, right? You resuscitate them, you send them to the unit and you're like, OK, I did my part. <laughs> it's right. kind of a similar like, do you ever call like units to check up on patients? Is that something you do? All the time. And even patients that I send home, I routinely will call them. I mean, emergency medicine is so difficult because all you get is a snapshot of your patient's especially the place that I work at, we invest a lot of time and energy to make sure that we appropriately resuscitate the patient and restratify them prior to discharging them or admitting them. And that's what I love most about our field. But at the same time, there's never a shift that I go home and I don't think about all the patients that I treated that day. It makes it one of the more challenging fields in that there is always that mental burden that you're you're thinking about the patients that you saw. For sure. That's cool. I didn't know that ER physicians call people at home to check up on them. That's that's something I didn't know. That's such really neat. Absolutely, yeah. It's just one of those things we we all care about the patients that this is gonna sound super bleeding heart, but I mean we really do care about all the patients that we see and we wanna make sure that they always do better. And we don't have the luxury of having a longitudinal relationship with our patients to see how the treatment has kind of worked out. 
So that's why oftentimes we will call patients where they may straddle that fence between admission and discharge home just to make sure that they, in fact, have a good outcome. Well said. Well, that's really cool. Thank you, Dr. Pisrai, for being on Head to Toe. Thanks, Marie. Thank you to Dr. Basrai for being a returning guest on Head to Toe. Please go check out the Physician Grind blog and podcast at physiciangrind.com for more narrative medicine and medical stories. Thank you to the podcast sponsor, Lux Pillow. Are you getting quality sleep, guys? No? Get your best sleep tonight with one of their premium luxury pillows at luxpillow.com. And be sure to use the coupon code Head to Toe, all one word, to get your 10% off your checkout. This episode's podcast music was produced by Wes Price, the editing by Tara Voschel at Spooked Girl Productions. I'm your host, producer, and show writer, Marie McMillan. Please don't forget to like and subscribe in your podcast app. Follow me on Facebook and or LinkedIn, and feel free to send me some feedback on the show by emailing me at macmillanpages at gmail.com or by leaving a voicemail on the podcast feedback line at 503-512-0185. And as always, all of my creative stuff and contact info can be found at mariemcmillan.com. That's all for today. Stay tuned for another episode of Head to Toe coming soon. An interview with a certified childbirth educator by the name of Sarah, who is amazing. I know, because I just finished her six-week course on childbirth and newborn care. More of that coming to the podcast feed soon. Thanks for listening, everyone, and your support. Until next time, take care.